Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us the CEO and CMO of Reason Agency. This is an e-commerce growth consultancy. His name is Will Perry, and he is dedicated to accelerating growth for e-commerce businesses, and he's been doing it now for 13 years. His agency is called Reason, which is a fantastic name, and he's here with us today. Will, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, and I want to start with something very simple here. Why Reason? Yeah, <laughs> it's actually been a while since someone's asked me about that. Um, I'm a very like um, growth-driven person, just like to who I am as the core of a human being. Um, I'm very like purpose-driven. I'm very impact-driven. Um, and so ironically, my the name of my company in the early years was called Evus, E-V-V-U-S, which stood for Evolve With Us. And that sort of molded and then shaped into reason, do all things with reason, essentially do all things with purpose. And um, I just find a lot of like, I mean, I, re I read a lot of personal growth books, business books, uh, self-help style books and things like that. And, and for me, uh, it's just all about thriving, creating this, this environment of thriving, a mindset of thriving, an environment for growth, et cetera. Um, and then wanting to align with others who share a similar sort of life goal, life, you know, desire sort of, et cetera. And um, so it, it's much more than just a name, you know, for me. Um, I, uh, there's a lot of like all these subtle meanings behind a lot of the things that I do. Um, yeah. So hopefully that's a good answer for you. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yes. And I, I love the reason. I love the reason. I love the, I love name. the reason for reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm guessing uh, reason.com was not available. That's correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've been trying, I've been having some random dude in India try to sell me that domain for such a long time, like not interested. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I was late to the party on the dot com on, on our own domain. Yeah. I'm guessing he's asking above six figures for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Will, tell me, how did you get started? Yeah. So I got started in digital marketing, honestly, like going all the way back to college. Um, you know, I did some internships in digital marketing and went to school for journalism and communication. So the root of who I am as a marketer is really rooted in copywriting. Um, I'm a huge advocate and a huge believer that messaging is your scaling lever when it comes to running your paid social, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok ads, et cetera especially with all the craziness that's going on these days with you tracking and iOS. And I'm sure some of your users are familiar with that. So it really started with, you know, went to school for journalism and communication almost about, you know, graduated 15 years ago. And um, like my first job right out of school. Well, first of all, I realized very quickly that I was not going to make any money as a journalist. Like mm. I wanted to go to school or I wanted to be an ESPN broadcaster. Like when I was in high school and when I was in college, like that's what I thought I wanted to do. So I was used to doing like radio shows. I had my own radio show. I was used to interviewing athletes on camera, off camera, writing stories about, you know, games and all the things, columns, et cetera. And when I quickly realized that there was like literally no money in journalism, I was like, 
but there is this thing called marketing that I feel like I can use my skill sets for. And so fast forward a little bit, I had this awesome internship in college that exposed me to a really cool golf opportunity. I, I have a golf background, um, golf in business and, um, was able to land sort of like my first paid marketing job. Right. So my first day on the job, and this is where the story kind of gets a little bit fun is, uh, you know, meanwhile, I'm what a 22 year old kid. My boss at the time hands me a Canon SLR camera, picks me up in her Escalade, drops me off at the back of the driving range. It was a golf boarding school mm. and basically said, good luck kid. And I was like, what do you mean? Good luck. Like I base, like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, uh, like, do you have expectations for me? Do you like, do I have specific tasks that I have to complete? Um, you know, basically none of that existed. And so I had to very quickly, and this was like a small business, you know, they did at that time, maybe two to 3 million a year, like a decent sized small business. And I had to figure everything out on my own. And when I mean everything, I mean, literally everything, just like I then came to find out when I launched my first business, how much more of everything I needed to learn and find out just like all of us do. And, um, you know, taught myself like literally anything and everything digital marketing related, copywriting, direct response, branding, design, Photoshop, PPC, which at that time was AdWords, you know, email marketing, lead generation, landing pages, website development, coding, like how to shoot and edit video, um, how to shoot and edit photo. So I literally like learned all these things, like completely self-guided. And I would literally go to like, I think back in those days, it was like, maybe socialmediamarketingworld.com and, you know, digitalmarketer.com when they used to do a lot of organic content. And I would just print articles. And I made this huge binder for myself of like how to SEO a website, how to, you know, create email newsletters and all these things. And um, fast forward, you know, almost 15 years later or so, and I've run 65 million in, in ads um, you know, I've, I've sold eight figures over the phone myself. Uh, I've got two online businesses about to launch a third and I consult with a lot of really big spending advertisers who are spending seven figures a month on ads, but like it all stemmed from this, like, Hey, you better go figure it out. And the only person who's responsible for it is you. So hopefully that was a good story. <laughs> I don't know if you got more than you were bargained for, but like, no. No, man, that, that's it. That's it. And, uh, you know, hearing you talk about the uh, seven-figure-a-month spender on, yeah. on ads is something that years ago uh, was almost in my kind of, uh, in my hangout, was unheard of, Yeah. right? So, I mean, four or five years ago, we, we were it was exciting to hear somebody that's like, Oh man, you know, I'm spending seven figures a year on ads, yeah. right. We, yeah. we would just start imagining the returns. Uh, but now things have grown so much and, and uh, I just do mostly due to Facebook, I think uh, yeah, a lot of it for sure. So Google was obviously number one with AdWords. And uh, I had recently here on the show, um, one of the guys that, uh, the, have developed uh, um, AdWords. Oh wow! 
Yeah, and um, that used to be the number one fl- platform. Then Facebook came along and they started, they took that number one spot away for sure. Now, I'm not sure if they still have it because Google started coming back, then TikTok showed up and Instagram, which is also a Facebook. But like, what is the top right now? And what are the top platforms like yeah. that you do use? Yeah, I would say, I mean, TikTok is super hot right now. Everybody wants to know how to run TikTok ads because it's really like they've sort of taken all the thunder away from Facebook in the last, you know, six to 12 months because so many, you know, online business owners, coaches, info product owners, brands, et cetera, have become so frustrated with Facebook ads and Mm -hmm. Facebook ad performance in the last year that it sort of created this perfect storm for YouTube and TikTok to sort of just really start picking up a lot of those honestly frustrated advertisers. Um, and like right now, you know, TikTok CPMs are so much less expensive than, um, than Facebook. And I know that a lot of your, uh, your listeners are in process of launching their online businesses, their brands, getting things going, et cetera. Um, TikTok is a great place to do that because the cost of advertising to actually advertise in some instances is almost about half the cost of what it is on Facebook oh. um, nowadays. I think the, the biggest thing, well, and I, so to go back to your original question, TikTok and YouTube are really crushing it in the digital marketing space right now. A lot of businesses are trying to figure out either how to launch and optimize on TikTok and or YouTube, uh, or then also scale with TikTok and or YouTube. Um, and that's really where a lot of focus is going right now, which I, which I will say, like we're still spending as much on Facebook as we ever have. It's just like, you have to play a different game nowadays with Facebook. A lot of what's happened over the last year has really weeded out a lot of the really small businesses from advertising, Mm. just like anything else in life and or business, like the strong prevail. And so, um, you know, TikTok and, and YouTube are really, you know, eating up a big chunk of that right now. And on Facebook, uh, did the the algorithm was getting smarter and smarter? Did it ever get to a point where you could create a campaign and just you know set it and forget it? Uh, and if not, maybe could that be the reason why a lot of those small businesses were failing? Yeah, totally. Is that uh, you know, um, in the most humble way, like you know, the guys who are like the top one percent, you know, media buyers. You even let's flip the script actually real quick. Think of like the OG marketers of all time, right? Like Dan Kennedy, Frank Kern, you know, these guys who Todd Brown, these guys who've been around for a while, like their whole shtick or their whole like philosophy is really rooted on core direct response, marketing principles and fundamentals. So it doesn't matter if it's email, YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, or whatever the next thing is that we need to advertise on, if you get the the fundamentals right of how to create an irresistible offer and a compelling message, you're I won't I don't want to go as far as to say that you're invincible from the next algorithm change, but you can much more easily pivot than the small business owner, for example, who hasn't mastered the marketing skill set that is really needed in order to truly be effective with paid advertising and, and paid traffic and, you know, online ads. And I think that's exactly it. I think you hit the nail on the head is that like for a really long time, Facebook made it so easy to give them money. 
right? They were like, Hey, you give me a hundred bucks. I give you 300. You give me an image and I'll put it in front of a guy who wants to buy your phone cases. And everybody thought that that was like the coolest freaking thing that had ever been invented. And then when Facebook ads started to get more competitive and now there's a thousand people selling phone cases Hmm. and we're all bidding on the same audiences and there's no differentiation of your product, you start pointing fingers at the ad platform. You start pointing fingers at the agency, the marketer, who, the contractor, whoever it is that you're working with, when in reality, the responsibility is always on the CEO and the business owner who started the business model. And so where that has made it difficult is for the smaller of the smaller businesses who have not evolved, who did the set it and forget it, who, who didn't evolve their messaging, their brand, their offer, their strategy, along with how the competition in the industry was evolving. So uh, I'll probably intentionally hit pause on myself there because I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's probably a few things you want to go deeper on. Uh, definitely. Well, um, well, you guarantee you remember this, but uh, not too long ago, I would say probably two years ago or so, you couldn't open Facebook without seeing a teeth whitening ad. <laughs> yeah. right? Good so old every- snow teeth whitening. Exactly. Those like it would have a LED light and you put that little thing in your mouth and then there was like celebrity endorsements for that. There are there's only so many, so many teeth whiteners that yeah, that can compete against each other. And of course, the one that has the biggest celebrity endorsement is gonna be the one that has sorry, the one with the biggest marketing budget is gonna yes. be the winner, right? Yep. He who spends the most to acquire a customer always wins. Exactly. And then those customers are going to snowball the, uh, you know, commenting and liking that, that ad are going to give them the relevancy that they're looking for. So yep. now changing a little bit from Facebook to TikTok, you mentioned yeah. how TikTok is growing so fast lately. There's something I was curious about, and I have not tested TikTok. I have know nothing about it. When launching a product, have you tested the difference between or maybe even running both at the same time ads and using tiktok influencers uh see what is best or of course best is probably going to be using both at the same time yeah so i think your question is like using branded content versus like influencer style content yeah and so an influencer on tiktok sharing or talking about your product that's going to be launched tomorrow or the next day or whatever Yeah. So there's really three types of content um, when it comes to TikTok. There's native creator content, which is the influencer sort of angle that you mentioned. Then there's branded content. um, And then there's native branded content. And so here's the shortcut for anybody who's listening or who wants to run TikTok. Just please run native creator content. Do not run branded ads, meaning like designed images, designed videos, et cetera you will be charged more on TikTok for running your ads. Mm. So if if I make videos of myself just talking into the camera and you make videos that are nicely designed, that your designer created, that are super aesthetically pleasing, they're on brand. That's my favorite term, on brand. Um, I mean that in like a, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Why can't I think of it? I mean that in in a, a sarcastic way. Go on ahead. brand, make sure my ad creative is on brand. Like 
you will be charged more to run the designed branded creative on TikTok than I will be running my native creator content. And that's because the native creator content is more, for lack of better words, organic to the Mm. platform, meaning that it creates better engagement to the platform. People continue to scroll. They stay on the platform. They don't leave. So yeah, absolutely. We've run pretty much anything and everything you could think of. And um, I promise you that um, native creator content, like very organic looking video through like an influencer, basically, you can hire these people to shoot videos for you, by the way. And they're very inexpensive, 50 to hundred bucks. Um, those are what are going to perform the best. More often than not, that is what is going to lo- to drive the lowest cost per purchase or per lead for your brand. Gotcha. And how do you test your creative on TikTok or Facebook? Where... I, you're opening up a giant can of worms here for me um, because this is really my unique mechanism. Um, so, uh, so a little bit of uh, uh, um, like insight is I, I train a lot of media buyers in Elite Media Buyers Academy how to run ads at an elite level on how to test, optimize, scale, et cetera. Um, we also do the same thing for our clients. I also just created a how to become great at TikTok ads program for CXL. If you're not familiar with CXL, it's kind of like digital marketer, um, digitalmarketer.com, massive sort of training entity. And so the way that I test my ad creative is, is very detailed and very nuanced. Like a scientist would approach a scientific experiment. Nice. But I think if I were to give one takeaway that everyone could maybe easily wrap their head around, it would be my philosophy is what I call ad variable isolation, which basically means when I create an ad, like any scientific experiment, I have controls in my experiment and I have variables in my experiment. Mm-hmm. The problem with the way that most people create their ads, set up their ads and test their ads is they launch a new image or a new video with a new hook and a new headline and a new text overlay with a new audience to a new age demographic. And then when they run it, they have no idea which of those eight or nine inputs slash variables is working or is not working. Yes. And so the way that I run my ads, when you, when, and I teach this ad variable isolation is I pick one variable to test. So for example, I'm always working off of proven elements. So I find a proven element and then I keep it. That is cemented in. It's it's part of the foundation of the house, for example. So that the next time I run a test, if I found the proven audience and I found the proven hook, the proven headline, the proven image, when I'm running my next test, the only thing that I'm testing for, for example, is a different hook to see if I can beat my previous result. So that way I know that the other five variables are proven because I've proven it in my previous testing. So my testing is not randomized and the way that I teach testing is not randomized. And the unfortunate thing with how most people run their ads is it's extremely random. They pile a bunch of things into a basket and then they say, hey, Facebook, get me purchases. Hey, TikTok, get me purchases. And then they can't figure out why either A, their ads don't work or B, when they go to scale it, why it doesn't work again, or ultimately really why they've hit a scaling plateau. It's because they never demonstrated a mastery level of understanding of what is actually working with their ads in the first place. 
So uh, before I get too high up on my soapbox, like add variable isolation is a very intentional way to approach testing. And I run it the same exact way on TikTok, Instagram, and on Facebook. Gotcha. And I really appreciate that because that's something yeah. that, that I love the scientific methods of doing things and doing them right yeah. and measuring everything. 100%. Uh, I not always, I don't always measure everything, unfortunately, because sometimes it's either lack of time or, uh, you know, my entrepreneurial ADHD that I have <laughs> to jump sure. around and do something else. Yeah. But I love that. And uh, not too long ago, I was talking to somebody about doing A-B testing on Amazon listings. Yeah. And he was telling me, well, uh, to save time, for example, I said, well, we'll change the title, let it run, and see which one performed the better, the best. And then we would come and change the main image, let it run, and see which one performed the best, and do, you yeah. know, five, six, a week of time and, and measure it. He's like, no, man, I'll change the title and the main image. And then a week from now, I'll go see. I'm like, but how do we know which one Yep. resulted was the title or the image because i want to know yeah and, and uh there are people that do i hear the i hear it so often like some even say i want to do abc testing i'm like it doesn't matter what you call it man yeah just measure one thing at a time or yep. else you're doing it wrong right? you know what the wild thing is i've seen major like medium-sized business i'm talking like north of 10 million that not only ran abc testing I've seen them run landing page tests with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H testing. I've literally never seen that much of split traffic before, but just in, in the fun spirit of like sharing that story, like, yeah, you've got to control your digital marketing environment or you're never going to know what is actually working for you, which means how are you going to plan steps two, three, and four, you know? Exactly. And now using your... Add variable isolation method. Did yep. I pronounce it right? That's it. That's correct. Yes. Okay. When you use that and you figure out what works, and then of course you're going to keep on testing, even if it works, you keep testing. I had assume. Hundred percent. That is going to reduce your CPA. Correct. That's the idea. Okay. And what else can you do for somebody that I mean, everybody wants to reduce their CPA. I was going to say. Somebody starting out, they want to have a low CPA. No, everybody wants that. So yeah. give us your tips. What do you do and how would you, what, I mean, where would you start to reduce Yeah, where would CPA? I start? Great question. Um, I actually don't start with the ads at all. Um, so there's really two, two specific areas that you can reduce CPA. You can either improve the efficiency of the traffic that you're buying AKA ads, Facebook, TikTok, Google, uh, YouTube, or you can optimize essentially your funnel. In most cases, it's going to be the landing page, right? So mm -hmm. if I can take my the conversion rate on my Shopify landing page for my product from 1% to 2%, and I don't change anything with my ads at all, I will reduce my CPA by 50% because I'm now converting two times the amount of traffic than I was converting before, my traffic costs stayed relatively the same. And my CPA went from $50 to $25 because I'm simply losing less traffic. That is the way, like, when you really get into the art of scaling through paid traffic, 
it's a lot of micro changes in many different areas. It might be a little bit of a tweak to messaging on the ad side, and then a little bit of a tweak to the price point of your offer and your bundle on the landing page side. And then it might be a little bit of a tweak to the targeting on the ad side. And then you might jump back to overhauling the messaging and the headlines on the landing page, which then increases conversion by another, you know, 25%, you know, so maybe you go from 1% to 1.25%, for example, for easy math. Um, And I think so many people, I wouldn't even say, I think so many people like blame their ads for their profitability. Yes. When in reality, like CPA is a three pronged metric and return on ad spend is a four pronged metric. And what that means is there are three different inputs to get the one output for CPA. And there are four different outputs to get the one output return on ad spend. So there's a lot of things that you can manipulate in your favor to bring your cost to more profitability, but most people just blame the ads. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, maybe that's probably something we could go deeper on. Man, okay, so I really love that. So that's the answer <laughs> I kind of, I hope you would give me. Yeah. Uh, because like you said, it's you don't have to say, I think, it's I know yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, the majority of people uh, blame the ads for something. And truth is, after they click on your ad, they have to go somewhere. Right. And that somewhere is going to dictate if they're going to convert or not. Right. That's correct. Yeah. So um, it, it's, I love that because that's one of the things that we should A B test is where they land, 100%. not just the ad. Right. The ad, I mean, sometimes, yeah, like it is, it is combined. You have to do it all together. But sometimes the ad is one of the easy things to do and then have that person land on the page and like what they see and trust it. So where do you send your traffic to? Do you, do you build a special landing page and then go to, to the, you know, my Shopify site slash shop? Yeah. Uh, or do they land there? Uh, or kind of what are the things that you've seen to work yeah, totally. The best. So um, my best recommendation and what I typically run the most is what I call closed loop funnels. So a closed loop funnel is essentially like short, short answer is I don't run traffic to the homepage. I don't run traffic to collections pages. And I very rarely run traffic to a website. And that is because like, imagine if I'm a home goods uh, seller online. So I have furniture maybe that I sell in my Shopify store. I sell TV stands and uh, couches and chairs and tables and all the things. If I'm running an ad to my website, there are literally a hundred different options for something that someone could buy, which means there's also a hundred different options of reasons why they could leave. And so uh, essentially, I, from a direct response perspective, I want to show somebody one thing so that they are focused on the one thing. And when they go from the ad to the landing page, they see the one thing that they just bought, or I'm sorry, that they just saw in the ad. And -hmm. they're either going to buy it or they're not. And if they don't buy it, I'm going to remarket to them to buy it. And I'm not going to confuse them with all the other things that they could buy. And the problem is, and this is at a very high level now, 
typically when you get into seven figure, like online brand territory, you, you start to realize this, that like, um, return on ad spend can fluctuate so much based on how the, the user responds to your website. Right. So if I've got these hundred different products, one day, my return on ad spend could be 10 and the next day it could be one. Well, the reason for that is there's so many different pathways that that one person could take to maybe buy one of your products. Whereas if I'm marketing this phone case and this phone case costs 10 bucks and I drive that traffic to the landing page and the, and the only thing that they see is the phone case, I can then more predictably forecast my profit and my ROI from the ads that I'm buying because there's only one thing that they can buy from me. And so like, I'm, you know, if I can get a two to one return on ad spend on this, this phone case, predictably day to day for 12 months, I then can create a forecast for my growth. And I then can figure out 10 other products that I can just remarket to the guy who bought my phone case through email. And a lot of people get distracted with this aspect of like, oh, I need a website with as many products as possible. But it's the most difficult way to forecast your actual profitability because your, your results are going to fluctuate massively on a day-to-day basis. And then you're like, why is everything so inconsistent? Well, you sell a product for $1,000 and you also sell one mm-hmm. for 100 <clears throat> So like, is that a me problem or is that a you problem? <laughs> it sounds like a you problem. And so to go back to it, that's why most of the traffic that I run from Facebook, even YouTube and, and TikTok is all based on a closed loop funnel. So you see one, one ad with one product in that ad with one offer in that ad. You go to the landing page. There's a, a very compelling sales message, more of like a long form style landing page. And then either you buy or you don't. Um, then there's a variety of different ways to remarket to the customer, but then you have a more stable and predictable cost per acquisition, which is kind of where our, our origin of the conversation started. Mm-hmm. So I prefer to run traffic direct to long form landing page because you can create a very compelling sales message on that landing page to have an above average conversion rate, which is also what your website can't do. And then you can bring your CPA down that way as well. Awesome. So you reminded me of something that I always wish existed. So now (laughs) I don't know if since it, 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 it does exist now, but I remember when Facebook had an option where we could put a video ad and then retarget people that have viewed more than say 75% of that video and retarget those people. And I always wanted the feature where I can send somebody to my site and then retarget to people that spend more than X time on a page or that clicked on something or that saw more than one page. Yeah. Does that feature exist yet? Yeah, you can definitely, there's a variety of different softwares that allow you to remarket based on the user traffic. Even within Facebook now, you can remarket to people, for example, let's say that you had a thousand visitors to your website or your landing page. Mm-hmm. You could market to the pe- the top 5% of people who wa- uh, spent the most time on your page or your site. So you can even do that now within Facebook. Um, there's also a variety of other ways of capturing like the user data on the landing page in order to remarket to them through like display ads or um, 
you know, based on time spent on the site. So as well as scroll depth, like you can actually remarket to people based on an action that they took on a landing page. But that's when we're really starting to get into like the more sophisticated, you know, stuff. And usually it's the medium sized and enterprise level sized brands that really want to understand their data analytics to do the type of of in-depth sort of like fun, you know, sandbox style marketing and scientific stuff that most small businesses like don't want to do because time equals money. Mm. Um, you know, so, so yeah, absolutely. That's when it gets really good when you can get super detailed with your split testing, but that's where you unlock the growth is by doing stuff like that. So probably something, a lot, a lot of companies, uh, are, trying to get an agency to run their ads for them. doesn't matter if it's Facebook, TikTok, Google, or uh, wherever the, the ads are ran. And there's a lot of jumping around. Yeah. Now, is this because of that mentality of the grass is greener on the next agency? Or what happens there? Why does this, or are they all just looking for the, for the holy reason grail yeah i i a holy reason grail yeah (laughs) that's funny no pun intended maybe pun intended um you know and this is even something that you know we have a successful agency i think any successful agency still struggles with this like i think there's a few factors one um in general the industry whether that whether you're on the brand side or the agency side and this is kind of business in general, there's a lot of people who just make you promises to get your business. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, definitely the agency world is, is quite a bit of a ruthless, almost thankless, uh, you know, company to even have as, as an agency owner. And then as, um, on the brand side, yeah, there grass is always greener on the other side. Um, not taking accountability again, right. For the fact that, Hey man, so like Facebook advertising costs have gone up 25% in the last two years and your product's still 50 bucks. Like, what do you want me to do about that? Like that, that's a good example of like business has not evolved. Product development has not evolved. So then they, again, think that it's an ads problem, which means that it's an agency problem. When in reality, it's a business model problem that is being exposed through marketing. Um, and I have a philosophy of which is that marketing exposes product or process. And so, you know, I think a lot of uh, brands, um, they don't know what to expect because they're also uninformed. And I, uh, online business and e-com brings a lot of non-traditional business-oriented folk into the space mm-hmm. because they see it as a, a quick way to make a buck. Um, and that makes it hard in the agency. Um, I think that like instant gratification is such a rampant thing with any, no matter what age or demographic that you fall into, we're so used to getting what we want literally right now that like, I'll give you an example. We have a client that we've been working with for two years and we dropped the ball very recently on something with YouTube's YouTube related. And they literally just went and hired somebody else without even telling us. And I was like, that makes no sense to me. But that's kind of like what that world is like. And I guess in any sort of performance-driven environment, whether you work on Wall Street, whether you're, you know, a professional athlete, like it's just as part of what you sign up for is that 
you know, performance is the name of the game and you're all, unfortunately you're only as good as your recent win. Um, and that for sure plays a factor. So, you know, you, you pick and choose who to take on. You try as an agency, you really try to get a sense for the leadership of the company. Are they patient or are they the type of person who they'll say on the front end, Oh, we're looking for a partner. We're looking for someone who can work with Mm. us. We're, we're looking for someone who believes in the brand. Uh, who's willing to be loyal to us and work hard for us and all these things. And then they turn around and they fire you without a 30 day cancellation. Um, it is what it yeah. is. But. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of those. Uh, I've seen several of those. They're like memes, I guess you see them on Facebook. It's like yeah. clients budget versus yeah. clients, clients expectations, expectations. Yeah. as like a fiero. And then his expectations <laughs> are, are the Ferrari Testarossa. Like, yeah, <laughs> man. My easiest clients are the ones that spend the most. Like yes. the guys who are spending like multiple five figures a day and beyond in ads are the easiest to work with because they get it. They're like, I want to hire experts to handle what I need handled. I trust that they're going to do the best that they can with what they have. If they need help with something, they're going to tell me. And outside of that, like they're focused on bigger and better things for themselves or their businesses. And they know that to go far, they have to go with. And the people who micromanage the marketing day to day, like they're the ones that ultimately more often than not go out of business or like can never figure out how to truly unlock growth within their business mm-hmm. because they don't let it, they don't give it room to breathe. Man, I have a great example. I don't want to extend this too long because I know we're <laughs> close on time, but I have a client in my agency works, works just with uh, Walmart and Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and I have one client on Amazon. Uh, the when, when we got started, I wanted to know kind of like what your budget is. There's some, some things that we do need to know. And they said, if your ROAS is above one, you increase the budget. Yeah. So basically I have unlimited until the ROAS goes uh, even with one, right? Yeah. Meaning uh, they expect the ads to be all the way up to break even as long as they can get organic sales from it. Because on Amazon, it's different than just on Facebook, for example, because uh, you get a lot of those organic yeah. organic uh, conversions because you, you're on top of ranked for that keyword on top of the page. Yeah. Right. So your ad is still performing for all other keywords. And when you come to the top organically, you get uh, we call that a tacos, which is total advertising cost of sales. Nice. I like but, that. <laughs> so as long as their tacos, which is the organic plus ad sales are positive, like like keep increasing the budget. And I yep. do that. Yeah, 100%. And uh, as as incredible as it may seem, sometimes they go two months without even calling, without doing video yeah. calls with me, nothing. And that's because they are one of the biggest uh, yeah. out there. And, and they get it, right? Exactly. They, they as long it. as it's performing, yep. it, right, It's it keeps on coming. Yep. Now, totally. Will, I know we're, we're getting close on time. So um, for everybody that's listening, tell us where we can find you, your agency, and um, know more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So 
If you have an online business and you're selling off of Amazon or you want to grow sales off of Amazon, for example, and you have a Shopify website or a WooCommerce website, and you're running your own ads, or you have a media buyer, a contractor, or an in-house marketer running your ads, and you really want to implement a lot of the strategies that I've talked about today, go to, and you can find me at www.elitemediabuyersacademy.com. Um, we're offering a $47 trial on our mastermind program right now. So you can get all the strategies, the operating procedures, the testing frameworks, how to create and craft winning ads, winning messaging, winning offers, winning funnels, et cetera. We do mastermind calls, um, you know, head on over to elitemediabuyersacademy.com. Would love to have you guys check that out. Um, otherwise you can find me on LinkedIn, Will Perry on LinkedIn and, um, genuinely enjoyed the conversation today. And hopefully it was a really good one for the, for the, uh, listeners. Will, it was fantastic. My only re regret is not having done this sooner. <laughs> <laughs> We had the chance a couple of times, but yes, yeah. this is uh, fantastic. And for everybody listening, I will have those links on the show notes, elitemediabuyersacademy.com. And Will's uh, LinkedIn, also uh, recentagency.co, correct? .co, yeah, that's yeah. correct. Gotcha. So I will have those on the show notes. And Will, this was a pleasure. You definitely let go some golden nuggets there for those that were looking for them. Perfect. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you, Will. Pleasure.